Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Kate. Kate Otto, welcome. Hi. Very excited to have you on board today. Now, you're the author of Everyday Ambassador, Make a Difference by Connecting in a Disconnected World. I find the title of this book to be fascinating. I feel like I'm like overly connected to my friends to the point where I can virtually <laughs> stalk, stalk them and they can stalk me. But tell me about your concept of a disconnected world. Sure. So you're absolutely right that we're more digitally connected than ever before and talking to our greatest desire. Um, but the hypothesis of the book is that sometimes the more digitally connected we become, the more we lose our capacity for in-person human connection. Couldn't agree with you any more about that. And do you think that we we almost know too much about one another and we, we, we become uh, disenchanted with the concept of, of imagining that there's nothing else we can learn about our friends because we know so much about them and we know how they think, we know what they post, we see their pictures. The, uh, are we disenchanted with our friends? Are we, are we overloaded? Well, I think what's interesting is that we're overloaded, but in a very specific And as you and I both know, when certain things happen in our lives, we don't necessarily post all the bad things to social media, all the complex things to social media. We tend to post the good things, the good news, the things we're excited about. And so we might get to know people really well in these digital spaces and get overloaded. But it's only on certain parts of their life, and that can cause. Very cool. Now, you focus on four key elements to yes. truly connect, staying connected in this tech-centric society we live in. Yeah. Um, let's, let's walk through those if we could. The first one is empathy. Yes, tell, us, tell us about that. So as you would think, in a world that's so digitally connected, we can get instantly because we can see everyone's point of view so much easier and faster. But in fact, Byron, what you and I both know and probably see in our own lives is that social media spaces actually tend to polarize us more than they tend to make us empathize with one another. And when people put up things that we might not agree with or insult us or go against what we believe, it's easy to unfollow or hide that point of view and not have to deal with it, quote-unquote. But in reality, those people and those views still exist. And so to be able to be empathetic is something that sometimes is better developed in an offline face-to-face space. Would you argue that this tech-centric society does, in fact, make us, in some ways, an ab- with this feeling, this ability to express our feelings, with other people, you know, liking something, not liking something, um, you know, ignoring something, you know, my, my anniversary uh, picture and no one likes it, you know, it, <laughs> do, do, do I feel hollow because of that? Explain to me how feelings get mixed up and messed up in this tech-centric society. There, there is an ability for us to express our emotions and share them with perhaps more people than we ever could before social media, but as you've said, it's in a very specific and formatted way, and if our feelings or if what we're thinking don't stay inside that formatting, you might not like or dislike a post. You might have some medium feelings, some feeling where you don't quite want to click like you want to talk about it. And although there's technically the space to do that, add a comment, talk about it, things are not always things we want to discuss in public, things that could be recorded and shown later, no matter how our privacy settings are. 
Uh, there's a lot of things that sometimes are better said and explained with the, in person because it allows some more complexity back and forth. And the second, your second dose of wisdom, shall we say, the core value is patience. Tell us mm-hmm. about that. And this is this is a world ridden with ADD, you know. So, <laughs> tell us about how patience is is a problem for us all. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, what I'll say first is that at times, impatience can be, of course, a good thing. Anyone listening who either runs a business or runs a workplace or is part of one, you know that sometimes standing up for the thing that you want to get done and getting it done quickly can be very good. However, I think everybody also knows that oftentimes the things we want to achieve in life personally and professionally, it takes time. And if we don't give things the time they deserve, then we might be missing the greatest achievement altogether. We might get small wins and never get the big win if we're too impatient. And I think that being in an online environment conditions us to be used to things happening very quickly and if we don't have that capacity to have patience and wait things through and see a long game and a long vision, then we could really be missing out on something even better for ourselves and for our workplaces. How do we work on patience? How do we train ourselves to be more patient? So, you know, I actually have a practice where I like to like to actually just get out there and do it at least once a day, whether it means waiting in a line that I otherwise don't really want to wait in, um, kind of carving time into my day to let something take a little bit longer and being okay with that. Um, so it sounds a little bit real, but I really do think that by doing things again and again, um, they make an impact on our psyche and of the way that we behave. Your third core value is focus. And can we also talk about hyper-focus, which many of us have, which is not necessarily a good thing? <clears throat> Absolutely. So, you know, focus, the idea behind that is that we live in a world where it's easier than ever to multitask. And yes, multitasking can sometimes be a good thing, um, but all social science points to the outcome that when we multitask, we are not achieving as much as we do when we just try to do things one at a time and get them done. And for all of us who care about productivity and doing the best we can, both in our personal and professional spaces, we, we should value the idea of focus, the idea of sitting down to do something and do it well and finishing it before we try to add something else to our list. Your most interesting core value, in my opinion, um, is what you call humility. Tell us about humility and how it could possibly play a role in this tech-centric society that we live in. Yeah, so humility definitely is one that sticks out and one that I think is the hardest to attain now, the world that we live in today is one where because we all have our phones in our pockets and can look up answers to anything at any time or just Google it or Bing it or look it up, um, it's become harder than ever before to say the words, I don't know. And it's very intimidating in the workplace or in a school setting to say, I don't know, because you want to be the person that knows and the one that knows everything um, that makes you valuable in a workspace. And the truth is that I found in my own work um, and in others' lives is that when you have the ability, especially in interpersonal relationships, to admit to someone that you might not be able to solve their problem immediately, but that you want to help them and you want to keep working on it with them, that honesty and that vulnerability and that humility, that sense of being open to still learning and not expecting that you are to know everything, um, that allows other people to trust you and feel closer to you and develop a better relationship with you. And so I think that is an invaluable asset in any kind of relationship, again, whether it's in your personal life or whether it's in your work life. Have you studied what makes people interesting? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, 
Um, you know, I don't have any formal studies and what makes people interesting, just kind of my own experience traveling the world and meeting lots and lots of interesting people. Um, but I would definitely think that it's required a lot of these skills to make those human connections and meet interesting people. I ask because I think it's sort of aligned with your book a little bit. Um, sure. You know, I, I'm finding that I'm meeting people often and saying to myself um, how how they're not curious, how they're not interesting, how they don't seem to ask any questions anymore about me um, or my wife or whoever I'm with. They're just there's so much data pumping in their brain from so many sources that they just are like overloaded with information and they've lost their sense of curiosity. And as a result of losing that sense of curiosity, they really are, I think, absorbed in this tech-centric society that is pushing too much data and not forcing them to be interesting, to be curious, to care about what else someone else is thinking. What's your thought on that, Kate? We um, we did a social media campaign in advance of the book launch called Hashtag Ambassador Of, and we asked people, uh, in addition to these four values that the book's all about, what are you an ambassador of and what value do you think is the most important to human connection? And we had a lot of people who submitted with the, with, we had people take selfies and say what their answer was. And a lot of people said curiosity. And that was another really important value for people for human connection. Uh, and I think that we're missing out a lot in the world because we can look someone up, Google someone, learn about them. We come to a situation technically being able to already know things. And yeah, it's really the sad state of affairs that we've lost the curiosity to want to just, get to know someone in real time, in person, uh, and explore them and ask questions about them. We tend to be in a society where we're always projecting things about ourselves and posting things about ourselves, and we get used to that online, and it translates offline. And when we're offline and people, we tend to talk more about ourselves and ask people about themselves. Exactly. Let's take our station break, and we'll be back just in a minute, everybody. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. We're back with Kate. Kate, thanks so much for being on the show today. Sure thing. Great to be here. Back to this concept of curiosity for one more second. As, as many people may know that are listening to this podcast, I've done about 350 of them. And, you know, my ability to ask questions has been the driving force, I think, of this, 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 this podcast. I just have, I have a curiosity for life. How do you train somebody to be curious? Do you have a thought on that? Yeah, well, you know what? I actually, if, you think, if I think about the book and the values in the book, it's a guide in many ways for people who want to have a positive impact in the world and do good things in the world. Who was the book written for? Is there an age group in particular that you were thinking of when you wrote the book, Kate? Well, you know, when I first set out to write it, I guess I had a thought in my head that since I was writing about my own experiences, that it would be a book for millennials. But as I was writing it and talking about my life with my parents and um, colleagues who are not in my generation, I realized that because Everybody also gives this connectivity. I don't think it is just a millennial problem. I think the fact that this new technology has existed. Kay, tell us a little bit about the reception of this book. Who, 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 has, who has reached out to you and, and, and brought some energy to the table like, thank you for helping me solve this problem. Tell us some of the reactions so far. One that's been predicted because it's a community we've worked with at our university schools. Uh, we, we normally reach out a lot to the high school and college age community, but we've also gotten you know, boys and girls clubs and middle school age kids who are interested. Um, but then on a very different side of the spectrum, we've also had a couple of companies reach out and say, like large companies, and say, oh, this sounds like great training for people who have just joined my company. This represents the values that my company represents. And in today's day and age, it's not the values that people have anymore. And we would like to reason that they um, they were coming from they wanted these values. And, and in your eyes, what, what does an everyday ambassador do? Well, an everyday ambassador builds bridges to connect communities who might represent one race or religion or socioeconomic status or generation, um, but connects well with people of other, sometimes it might be within a workplace or within um, a group setting. And they're the person who's going to step out and go beyond their comfort, beyond their boundaries of what seems normal to them, and try to get to know other people. Um, it could be as complex as someone who actually runs a volunteer initiative or is working in a, an environment where intercultural communication is very important. It could also be literally as every day as making more of an effort to talk to someone at a coffee shop, to be nice to someone who's on the bus with you, um, really being a more decent human being. So we, we talk a lot in the book about the spectrum of being an everyday ambassador. You don't need a specific education or income or, um, or passport to do it. Uh, it's more just about the way that you treat people, like the lifestyle. How do you feel when you become this everyday practitioner of 
connectivity and friendliness and being nice all the time? How does it change who you are and, and what you do? Well, I think it definitely makes you more aware of the world around you. It, it makes it makes the world seem smaller in a sense that as different as other people might seem at first, you actually either are currently going through a lot of the same things or your life uh, experiences have have comparisons and relevance to each other, but you wouldn't ever realize that unless you're connected. So it's kind of a small world feeling. Um, it certainly is that, that high of, you know, doing good for other people and making sure that you're leaving a positive impact on the world. And just generally, you feel more connected, more purposeful. And I think it's overall a very positive feeling. Have you, what are the grave signs of disaster, people being unconnected? What, what characteristics do you see from people that have, have not followed your practice? Well, you know, I definitely wrote this book not because I am an expert doing these things, but because I think they're very important to do, and I certainly struggle with them in my life, too. So I can speak from experience and say that some of the warning signs or the red flags are when you uh, get angry with someone, even though they haven't done something that is their fault, like if a you know, barista messes up your order a little bit, but something else went wrong in your day earlier, and you get really mad at them for something that they don't really deserve, um, that idea of misplaced anger sometimes uh, can happen to random people, it can happen to our family members. Um, that, I think, is a sign where you're not realizing that that person in front of you is a human being, too, and um, treating them like a person and not like the staff or like the work person. I think really when it comes to your in-person human interactions in a day and seeing how you're actually treating people, the red flags are when you start mistreating people in small ways, being impatient with them, thinking you know more than them, not treating them like you would want yourself to be treated or someone you love to be treated. In, in a perfect world, do ambassadors hang out with ambassadors? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think they do. I think I think it gives you a lot of energy and it gives you a lot of motivation to see other people who are everyday ambassadors and how they're doing their everyday ambassadorial work. Um, at the same time, of course, the idea is to just preach to the choir and trying to make sure more people in your life um, become everyday ambassadors. You know, when a lot of, I write, I write for everydayambassador.org every Monday and I report on current events and how it relates. So this week I wrote about the shooting in Charleston, um, and as tragic as that event was, I always focus on what can we do, what can we do about it as everyday ambassadors, and one big piece of feedback I gave was think about people in your own life or environments in your own life that still, whether overtly or subtly, are, have, have racial discrimination in their own belief systems and do what you can do to try and open their minds and change their minds, and it's not necessarily about being like converting people to a different way of life. It's just thinking about how to open people's minds so they also have this everyday ambassadorial approach to it. Yes, that that's an interesting thought and and a, and a challenging topic you're taking up there. Do you feel that an ambassador could help somebody with psychiatric disorder um, that was clearly, in this case, you know, deranged and had lots of issues? Do you feel like it's an, it's an everyday ambassador's job to go find these people that need help and might need some, you know, some, 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 some love and some support? And, and uh, do you think that, that that could have helped a situation like this? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that when a situation like this happens, it's, evidence of someone have, have been, having been influenced by someone. Um, I th- both a combination of someone being mistreated in his own life to, to hurt someone else so badly, to kill other people, but also being influenced by ideology and philosophy. 
So my, my hope, my idea is that more people who are spreading an everyday ambassadorial ideology, which is all about acceptance and appreciating one another, um, definitely nonviolence, and when you have disagreements, finding peaceful, the more that that is the reality, I think, peaceful the world would be. I know it's a hard thing to accomplish, and for someone like this, it's not like um, you can just say a few words and a magic wand and change. Um, but that's the whole point of the value of patience, for example. Sometimes relationships require a lot of work over time to to build and to help someone out to a better place, and we prefer to have that patience, not things to happen quickly. Kate, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, such a pleasure, and thanks so much for sharing more about every ambassador. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Two final questions for you. Who do you want to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you? Oh, sure. So anyone who thinks that this book could also be helpful in their own life or the life of their friends, family, and colleagues, you can get a hold of me at kate at everydayambassador.org. I'd be more than happy to talk about. We have the workshops, we have the book, uh, we have a lot of resources on the website. So our goal is to make it as easy and fun as possible for people to adapt this everyday ambassadorial mindset into their homes and schools and workplaces. Terrific. Once again, thanks for being with us, Kate. And until next week, everybody, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localize results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. The following is an encore segment of Life Tips. Welcome back to the Life Tips show, everyone. Byron here. I'm here with our guest today, Peter Shankman. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. 
You're the author of the book, Nice Companies Finish First, Why Cutthroat Management Over is Over and Collaboration is In. Appreciate you talking about the book. Is that really true? Are you sure that's really true? You know, I'm seeing it more and more. Uh, The companies that I've interviewed, the ones that I've talked to, the ones that you see every day are actually making more money by being nice. You know, it's it's not – when I first proposed the concept of the book, my my agent said, you know, there are enough books out there about sort of hippy-dippy – New Agey, Be Nice, and the Universal Company. I said, no, this is about being nice and making buttloads of cash. And she goes, okay, well, that I'm interested in. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely more about the fact that, that in this day and age, the, the nice companies do win. Let's talk really about why you think that is. We're going to dig in, of course, to some of the details on the research that you went into. But you know, in, in general, is there simply a need for management styles to change? And particularly, you know, we're all riveted in, into the Jack Welsh, Lee Iacocca, you know, phase, uh, you know, here and my way or the highway, super strong individuals. Are things turning when it comes to who gets put in that top position, for example? What I'm thinking is, is, is enlightened managers are the ones who are getting put in that top position. You know, the concept of sort of the eat your young, the Jack Welch uh, mentality uh, worked great for years, and, and that's what boards looked for. You know, they wanted someone with that, that sort of cutthroat ambition, as it were. But what the smart boards are seeing now is that companies that are perceived as nicer, who, who react to their uh, employees, their customers, who listen – um, are actually doing better because of the age that we're in of sort of everyone has the ability to be a reporter, everyone has the ability to share information in real time. And so the concept of being nice actually pays off from a marketing perspective as well as a straight business perspective. So they're looking for CEOs who get that and who understand that that the customer, you know, telling the customer to screw off uh, really doesn't play well anymore, where in the 50s and 60s you could get away with that. Tell me a little bit about <clears throat> management style and how – CEOs are learning that style these days? I think that a lot of the CEOs who are getting that are coming up from the, the concept that, and again, it goes back to this enlightened self-interest. You know, CEOs have always had this sort of selfish mentality around them and the concept that they'll do, you know, they want their bonuses and their golden parachutes and all that. What we're seeing is that the CEOs who are coming in with the logic that if it's good for the company and if it's good for the employees and if it's good for the customers, it's good for me they're the ones who are sort of winning now. It's, it's that concept that the traditional, uh, uh, again, that additional cutthroat style is going away. And the concept of, hey, you know what? We believe that the stuff we're doing is actually beneficial and we believe in this stuff. That's sort of what we're seeing from the CEO perspective. Um, CEOs are looking to hire employees who believe in that, who believe in those same values, who share those values, uh, and, you know, who, want, who want to see customers and, and, and clients win. It's, it's sort of this, this win-win opportunity that really never existed before. I want to ask you about a particular case. Marissa Mayer, um, CEO of Yahoo, uh, you know, announced to the world that you know, no more remote employees of Yahoo. You know, <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that, is that uh, is, does she fit into a not-so-nice person, and, and, and would you worry about her success? Or <clears throat> tell me about that particular policy and procedure and whether it made sense for Yahoo in your perspective um, and, and, and made sense for her and her position at Yahoo to try to transform that company into something great. And is there room in your, in your understanding you know, for firmness as well as fairness and, and friendliness? I think she could have found a better way to say it. 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with the CEO saying we're going to do it this way. You know, the whole purpose of a CEO, you have you hire them and you have to trust their their abilities. That's not, you know, I don't doubt that, but she probably could have said it a little nicer. The way it came out, you know, keep in mind that everything you say is going to be immediately leaked to the press. She could have said it a little nicer. Basically, she just said, okay, and see ya. You know, there's probably a better way to do that. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, I see what she's trying to say. The concept that it is, it is a better idea if everyone's collaborating together. But I do think that she could have found, a, a, a better way to say that, and B, maybe not put, not put it in all at once. She basically ruled with that iron fist type mentality, and that was looked at as a little, a little you know, ogre-ish. On the flip side, you know, she is doing what's better for the business, and hell, she just spent a billion dollars to basically acquire a, a website that is nothing but like, um, pictures overlaid with text about uh, positive attributes. So, let's see what happens. <laughs> good, good point. Tell us about motivation and what you learned about motivation and how perhaps nice guys might, or gals for that matter as well, might motivate people a little bit more. <clears throat> what I find all the time is that the companies who, really the CEOs really believe in what they're doing. And you know, a lot of people say Steve Jobs is not a nice guy, but Steve Jobs is a very nice guy, but he, his belief was in the concept of everyone needed to be as motivated and as passionate about what he did. Did he say it the best way? Probably not. But, you know, there's motivation and then there's fake motivation. The real motivation is, is, the, is the CEOs who motivate the employees because they see um, the end result. They know this stuff is going to be huge. They're going to do great. And they want employees with that same level of passion. Uh, the flip side is that, you know, do this or I'll fire you is not necessarily the best motivation, motiva- motivation in the world. So you really find that, that sort of middle ground there. You looked at lots of great companies um, that that have leaders that that are, are within the realm of the next wave of greatness, as you describe it. Could you could you give us a few examples of, of what people are doing in these roles and, and and why their approach is is winning? Yeah, I mean, you look at even even companies as simple. Uh, you look at companies who are doing sort of the right thing by their employees, by their customers, by their. Uh, 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 stockholders, they all have a, a certain things in common. They listen. They have this concept of enlightened listening, which is where, really where they're listening to the customers and the employees together, and they're not necessarily basing every decision on that. Look, you still have to be a CEO. You still have to make the hard decisions that no one wants to make, but you're doing so not in a vacuum. And that's one of the biggest things out there. You're doing this not in a vacuum. You're listening to the audience, and you're listening to your customers, and you're making a decision based on those enlightened moments that you're getting. That's that's the most important thing right there. Uh, CEOs who silo and who sort of sit in that that golden tower really don't make decisions with all the information they need. More importantly, they're listening to people who you might not necessarily assume are the best ones to listen to. I've seen CEOs go down and spend a half an hour in the break room with the customer service employees, which I think is some of the most brilliant things you could do because they're the ones on the front line. They're the ones with the ears to the ground. You know, CEOs who sort of sit in the top and just listen to their top VPs and don't really pay attention. You know, that's a problem. Huh. Are there specific examples of, of leaders that you think have these, these characteristics and attributes that we can all learn from? And, and, and what, are they, what are they doing that's, that's interesting? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, hate to, I hate to bring him up because he's constantly referred to, but Tony Shea at Zappos, um, you know, goes around and talks to every single new employee, looks at what they're doing and offers them money to quit. He says, if you're not happy here, we'd rather you leave. Here's some money if you want to quit. Um, you know, there, there are other CEOs uh, um, who instruct, uh, uh, what is it? Um, I'm totally spacing on the name now. The, um, 
the new sandwich place that's popping up all over the uh, Pret, Pret, Pret a manger. Um, it's popping up all over the city and it's huge in Europe. They actually send them up undercover uh, shoppers to look at their employees and make sure they're smiling, make sure they're happy. They want employees who are happy in general. It's not saying you can't have a bad day, but they want employees who generally have a happy day. So, you know, if you have 20 minutes for lunch nowadays, they want to know that, that when you came in for those 20 minutes, you were greeted by someone happy and you were in a good mood as well. Perfect. Peter, thanks for being a guest on the show. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life is a little smarter, better, faster, and much wiser when it comes to being nice. <laughs> thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.